Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here today. Good morning and welcome. My name is Melvin Gaines. While we allow people online to get settled in, we have another live audience here with us as well, too. But we're going to play some music while we uh, get settled in. Craig James and United Voices Highway to Heaven is the music. We appreciate you being here this morning. And for those of you online, I hope you got your coffee. For me, it's mandatory. Mr. Gaines, good morning. Delia, good morning. Thanks for being here. Jackie, good morning. I know Jackie's got her coffee. Thanks for being here this morning. Anitra, good morning. Amen. Highway to heaven. Brother Roscoe, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Ronnie, good morning. Appreciate you being here. Just another Sunday here at Akron Alliance. Amen. Different stuff going on, but it's a good day. Amen. We appreciate you being here this morning. Thank you so much. And again, just as a reminder for those online, if I can't see your name, I can't say hello to you, but you're welcome nonetheless. Thanks for coming with us. They're not done. <laughs> Appreciate you being here. Good morning, Mrs. Gaines. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> still going. It's not over. Hey, Brother Nate, good morning. And Marnell, I'm going to assume you're in the background. Good morning, too. Thank you for being here. Well, that was Craig Hayes and United Voices uh, with the music Highway to Heaven. And we typically open with music in the morning, and we appreciate you allowing us to do that because it does get you in the mindset for worship and praise at the very least. And prayerfully that uh, this time we spend in the Lord is going to be valuable because we're going to be covering a tough subject today. Um, uh, we're going to be covering actually in the passages today the crucifixion and death of Jesus. And I think it's just going to be uh, an important reminder for us about why we do what we do. Uh, Jesus did what he did for us so that we wouldn't have to ever worry about being eternally separated from God. And so I think that's the, we're talking about this time where we're going to be celebrating a Thanksgiving dinner today at church. There's a lot of reasons to be thankful, but 
One of the most important reasons we can ever be thankful for is what Jesus did on the cross for us. And I think that is one of the lessons that I want to take away from today. I've got a ton of announcements here to make because we want to cover not just what's happening here in church today, but also even cover what's happening in church next week. And um, first of all, for those of you online, you might have noticed we have a different backdrop because we are sitting in a different place in church today. We are actually in the sanctuary area uh, for Sunday school because we're having a Thanksgiving dinner here at the church today. And the other side where we normally would sit for Sunday school is being totally revamped. And I even see uh, Krispy Kreme donuts around here. It's not, it's not part of the Thanksgiving dinner, but we, we appreciate people bringing in donuts, that's for sure. Um, but uh, that is what's taking place today. Pastor Gus is going to be preaching the message today related to Thanksgiving, I'm pretty sure. And um, of course, for our Thanksgiving meal, for those of you in Akron, Ohio, all are invited. You're welcome to come and join us after the morning service. Next week, a couple things different from normal. We're going to have an open mic Sunday school next week. Open mic Sunday school means that we have a, a guest in our church or someone who has volunteered to teach Sunday school here within our confines, and that is going to take place next week. For those of you online, we'll have a Sunday School Extra uh, broadcast for you. And just as a reminder, for those of you online, when we have those moments where there's an open mic Sunday School, we're not broadcasting what's happening here, but we'll have a recorded Sunday School session for you to look at at 9.30 next week. Remember that when you get online on Facebook, remember to refresh your screen at 9.30 because that's how you'll see the Sunday School recording. It's a recording that's already going to be waiting for you there. So that's next Sunday. So there's an open mic Sunday School next Sunday. And we've got, in addition to that, we've got two baptisms next Sunday. Amen. Um, That's something to look forward to as well, too. Two baptisms after the morning service. So we are looking forward to that as well. Uh, and the testimonies that are going to come from that. And finally, just want to mention something that is important for us to always be giving prayerful consideration for us to please remember your tithes and offerings. We thank everyone who was prayerful and sending in funds even during the time when we weren't having church, and we thank you for remembering those things. We, we had church quite a bit during COVID, but... We want to always give prayerful consideration for your giving. That's what you should do. That's, uh, that's how you worship the Lord, through giving. And please understand, it's not, for my, it's not my money. Um, I don't see any of that money. <laughs> that is all for the church. It goes to the church for the benevolent offering and all of those things. Um, so please pray for that. Uh, for those of you who are here in the church, our, we do not pass around a collection plate. We have a uh, tithes and offerings box that will be in the lobby area where you can drop an envelope in with uh, what you want to give. And that's, uh, that is all for the announcements for today. We again appreciate everyone with us online and here in the, in the church this morning. We're going to get into the mindset now where we're going to be really listening to uh, what the Lord is saying prayerfully through the Spirit, because that's what I want. Uh, not my words, but His words. And what we're going to do is get into the passage. It's in John uh, chapter 19. We're going to be covering verses 16 through 30. John 19 verses 16 through 30. And we appreciate, again, everyone's prayerful consideration. Understanding that without Jesus, we would be absolutely nowhere. Without what he's done for us on the cross we wouldn't have anything to look forward to. And by looking at this particular section of Scripture that John writes about, we're going to see how compassionate he is and how much he truly loves others, even as he is suffering and dying on the cross with the words that he uses in this passage. Let's look to the Lord with a word of prayer and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, We now pause and calm ourselves and pray that you will speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. That indeed your presence is felt and welcomed and needed for greater understanding. Lord, we don't like to read the account of anyone who goes through suffering. 
or goes through a struggle or a tough time. And yet, Lord, you remind us that we go through those very things ourselves, not to the degree that we are on the cross like Jesus, but certainly we have had our own emotional struggles, difficulties that we've faced. And yet, Lord, with your presence, you have a calming presence in our lives that allows us to bear these things that take place from moment to moment. And Lord, we thank you for how you indeed remind us through your word that you never leave us nor forsake us. And we know in this act, what you did for us on the cross, you truly have shown us this. And the words of Scripture remind us over and over again that the very things that are taking place that we're going to be covering today were things that were prophesied. So you are fully aware of everything happening and you were fully in control in spite of the chaotic moment that was taking place at that time. And we thank you for that reminder. Lord, bless this group here in the church. Bless all of us here. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 19, verses 16. And we're going to cover 16 to 30. And we typically read from the New Living Translation. Those of you who read your own, you'll follow along with your own versions. But I want you to see how John essentially gives a summary of what is taking place and points out some things that are very very relevant for us to see today. The things that are written and said here certainly were relevant to that time, but we serve an eternal God who lives in eternal present and he is aware of all these things that are taking place here and he certainly is aware of you and your life today as well too because you're not here by accident. You're here on purpose and you are here. uh, Ultimately, you're called to serve him, proclaim the gospel throughout the world as he has always told us in Scripture. And you'll see the purpose as to why we do that. Let's start reading from John chapter 19, verse 16. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called Place of the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. They were there, they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. Verse 21. Then the leading priests objected and said to Pilate, Change it from the king of the Jews to he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate replied, No, what I have written, I have written. Verse 23. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece, from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Verse 25. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Verse 28, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, 
he said, I am thirsty. Verse 29, a jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Okay, that's John chapter 19, verses 16 through 30. You know, even though we're reading this, and we've read this passage probably numerous times, right? Still kind of tough to read, isn't it? Because you know what's going on. You know what's taking place here, and you're fully aware that Jesus went to the cross to be crucified. It was the manner of death that he was prophesied to experience. And we have to recognize that there are several things that took place in this passage that remind us, honestly, that Jesus is well under control. He, he is willingly going to the cross for us. Willingly. You'll notice the very quick mentions here about how he was hung in the middle and the other two people who went, we were on one on each side of him as well too. And we don't have, you notice how in the Gospels, we don't have complete accounts of everything You have to go from one gospel to another to another to see the entire account of what took place. But John's giving us the relevant points here. That's kind of how he wrote this whole thing about when he was being persecuted after his arrest and when he finally did uh, go before Pilate and go through the trial and how he was whipped and, and abused at that point. Suffice it to say that based upon what we said last week that Jesus didn't look like himself when he went to the cross because he was so disfigured. But they don't talk about this here. They just kind of give you the accounts, the bare bones of what's going on. Let's go back over the passage, which is what we typically do. And let's look at some notes that are accompanying them. Back to verse 16. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called Place of the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. Now, Let's look at this place of the skull. It sounds like uh, a pretty rotten place to be. It's outside the city. Uh, It's outside of Jerusalem. But it's probably representing a description of what it looks like. There's a hill outside of the area, outside of Jerusalem. It was along a main road, and many of the executions took place there. The Romans would use this as an example. Anybody who got out of the way or, or did something they weren't supposed to do, he want, they wanted to make sure that whoever was being held accountable uh, would be totally visible, wouldn't be something hidden away. And so Jesus' location there was normally what was being used. It was a place for execution that the Romans had in place. And verse 18, there they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side with Jesus between them. And we won't go into the account of what happens with one of the people on the cross along with Jesus. That's a separate conversation for today just to save some time here. But those of you who are not familiar, crucifixion was what the Romans did to execute people. And he literally did it to make an example of them. The person who was being condemned was forced to carry their own cross to the location where they were going to be stationed. And Jesus for a while there did carry his cross. Um, He received assistance in midway because he was so weak. But there were different types of crucifixion back then. Of course, the Romans would have different ways to punish you and show those ways of doing it. Sometimes people were uh, tied with ropes to the cross. They'd just, hang, just be hanging there with ropes on their wrists attached to the cross. Well, Jesus was nailed to the cross. The nails went, nails went through his hands and held him up. And tough thing about this to recognize when it comes to crucifixion, it's a very painful way to die. Because as you got more and more tired over time, you would just basically suffocate because you couldn't breathe. You couldn't hold yourself a certain way. And so that's why it was a very hideous, 
painful death. And what we recognize that Jesus willingly did this for us. That's what's really interesting about what's taking place. And we're going to see how, as we get to it further, about how this is a very, very public event. Public event for everyone there in Jerusalem who came outside to look at it. Public event for Mary and the other. There were three Marys there, by the way. Mary, his mother Mary, Mary of Clopas. That was Mary's, was her name as well too. And then Mary Magdalene was there. Very public death, but they had the courage to stay put and witness what was taking place along with others who were there. Let's go to verse 19. Make sure I don't skip them. Yes, verse 19. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Now the interesting thing about this language the languages were all different. Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. That's what it says in verse 20. So anybody who's visiting from out of town who could speak Latin knew, understood what was taking place. The King of the Jews. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Of course, He was the King for really all of us, not just the Jews. And we have to see that it's an ironic situation. Was Jesus was nearly stripped naked. I mean, he was on the cross. He was not. He was executed in public view. He had on some of his garments. He was going to. They cast away. Remember, they, the garments were taken off of him. He was on the cross, half naked, in public view. And you would think, if you were there at the time, it's like, what, who, what king is this? What king is he over, residing over? Look at his appearance. Look at what's taking place. But Jesus, of course, with this act, would turn the world upside down forever. What he was enduring for us. He literally was coming into his kingdom. What an interesting contrast. Because at the moment, Satan thought he had won. Satan thought that he had eliminated his opposition. That he had removed him. And, of course, we know that that's not the case. Back in Genesis, we recognize that it says in the Word, right as, frankly, God is making statements to Adam and Eve about their sin, he throws in the line um, about how you're going to bruise Satan's head, the serpent's head, while Satan's going to bruise his heel. Well, this is the heel moment we're talking about. Because he's not really going to do anything to Jesus other than, frankly, push him into the place where he has complete eternal authority over the entire world and over our lives over those people who believe in Him and trust in Him. He was the King of the Jews. He was the King of the Gentiles. He was King over the entire universe. King over all creation. Of course, at that time, no one would recognize that. They don't understand that. They wouldn't understand that. But we do because we have the ability to process all this information together. When you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, for those of you who did so, did you have a sense of relief? Did you have a sense that this is the right thing to do? You have a sense that you couldn't do it on your own anymore? You have a sense that life as it currently is, where would you be without Jesus? How would you function without Jesus. There's relief. And because we know, we know it with confidence that Jesus indeed paid the penalty for our sin right then and there on the cross. 
right then and there. In order for a person to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord, what do they have to do? They have to believe that He did what He did for us. And that He was hardly just a puppet of a king. He was the king. You had to believe He's your Lord. You had to believe He's your Savior. There are several mentions in Scripture, a few mentions in Scripture, going into the book of Acts about how people had come before Jesus and they had a following of people and then they, they died and that group broke up. And there's a couple of mentions of those when John and uh, Peter, if, if I'm not mistaken, were about to be imprisoned. They were told never to proclaim the name of Jesus again. And the one guy intervened and said, leave these guys alone. Because if they're no good, if they don't stand for anything, if, if their movement is not the truth, they'll go away too. But that man speaking up, I believe, was led by God to speak. Because he was telling the truth. When Stephen was about to be stoned, and we went through the entire account in the book of Acts, you read Acts chapter 7, 8, and 9, you'll see it. They read the entire account of what the Jews went through all the way from the very beginning, starting with Abraham, all the way up through Moses. And how these same people that were being, that were charging him with a crime, and he was falsely accused, by the way, just like Jesus was. Jesus went to the cross for a crime he didn't commit. And Stephen was also persecuted for a crime that he didn't commit. And he told them the truth. They, those people were evil. Those people were evil. They didn't care about Jesus. They only cared about their own personal well-being. And before we start ripping into those people who were evil, well, Satan was leading them. But we need to be cautious to make sure that we are also recognizing that we have an enemy and wants to disrupt. Satan's not going quietly. Amen? Satan's not going quietly. Satan knows that he's been defeated now, but he's not going quietly. And Satan's main goal and purpose right now is to come up against God's people, ruin their testimonies, put them on the sidelines, Make you forget about what Jesus has done for you. That's what Satan's goal has been and will continue to be until he is cast into the lake of fire. Let's continue. Verse 20, The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek so that many people could read it. And it's important for us to see that this language, this was unusual. This was not a typical thing that you would see. And the fact that it was written in these three different languages, Hebrew was the language of religion. Greek, the language of culture and education. Latin, the language of law and order. So everybody who saw this, who witnessed it, knew exactly what was taking place. It was written for the entire world to see. This is not a coincidence. This was something that happened on purpose. And of all people, Pontius Pilate saw to it that it would happen. Written in three languages. I guess we'll perhaps always have a debate for those of you who are not part of our class the last couple of weeks, we'll always have a debate, I guess, about where was Pontius Pilate at the end of all of this? His wife had warned him in a dream, warned him that she had a dream, don't mess with this man, Jesus. And Pilate did everything he could to try to get him released, but he ultimately sinned because he didn't follow through on his authority. The very same thing that Adam didn't do. He didn't follow through with his authority. 
And Pilate was deathly afraid of what was happening. It's a good debate question. Do you think Pilate actually got it at the end? We don't know from Scripture. There's no indication of that. He basically made the assertion as we get further down in the passage. Verse 21, Then the leading priest objected and said to Pilate, Change it from the king of the Jews to he said, I am king of the Jews. In verse 22, Pilate replied, No, what I have written, I have written. He wrote it. He said it. Now, while all this is going on, Jesus was suffering on the cross. And we don't have a graphic account of that. And I'm glad we don't. But we already know what happened to him. He was whipped. He was beaten. He was disfigured. And yet, he was able to speak and have compassion for those who were observing him during his suffering on the cross. And we have to understand that there's a lot of prophecy here. I want you to turn your Bibles and electronic devices quickly to Luke chapter 2. I want you to look at a passage. Luke chapter 2. Because you're going to remember in the account, if you know about Luke, Luke is where we have the total account that's taking place at the time where um, Jesus was going to be brought forth through the Holy Spirit with Mary. And then we also have the account where... i get to the right place. Sorry about that. Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, we're going to have, you know, John the Baptist would be born. And he's going to be called John. But look at verse 2, chapter 2, excuse me, verse, start with verse 33. And this is when Jesus was being circumcised. And then Simeon, who was dying, could barely see, gives a prophetic statement. And the response Verse 33, his mother and father were amazed at what was being said about him, meaning, meaning Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. Verse 35, and a sword will pierce your own soul. He's talking directly to Mary. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This piercing that he's referring to in Scripture is about essentially Mary, of course she's losing her son, and Jesus is making sure, is going to have to make sure that, of course, this whole thing about losing her son is going to pierce her, pierce her very soul. It's a very, we don't have to get into discussions about what happens when you lose a child. A child is never supposed to leave before you. That's the way we always think, amen? But yet, here it is. It's happening right here in this particular passage. And typically, widows orphans back then they needed help they needed security they needed someone to take care of them Jesus is going to make sure of that as we get further down the passage we'll see that but look how there's so much prophecy Simeon basically told Mary what you're going to go through is going to pierce you it's going to be very difficult but know that the entire world is going to be turned upside down. And that's what Simeon was saying in his prophecy. 
There's more prophecy too. Let's go over to Psalm 22. This is going to have to do with when we get further down to the passage. I'm just going to cover it now so that I can keep going. But Psalm chapter 22. And for those of you, I've said this before, so uh, if you've heard it from me before, um, I apologize already. Psalm 22. I want you to look at, start at verse 15. We're going to read down. You could start earlier than that, but I'm just going to start at verse 15. Psalm 22, verse 15. And ultimately, this is going to talk about very specific things about what Jesus is going through. Verse 15, my strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. And we remember Jesus said he was thirsty. You put me into the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. Look at verse 18. They divided my garments among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. Amen. How could the writer of this psalm know all of this? How could he possibly know about this account? I think you can figure it out. God revealed it to him through the Spirit. Verse 23, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and they threw dice and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. You better believe that God knew everything that was going to take place. We can't conceptualize an eternal God who lives in the eternal present because that's not who we are. We are eternal beings. We will have that knowledge later when we're reunited with the Father. But He's telling us He's in complete control of the events taking place because it was prophetically mentioned. And John makes it a point to tell us these things in his, in his rendering of this passage. He's letting us know about the dice game that was taking place. And the Roman soldiers, by the way, just so you know, they routinely would take the clothing of the condemned men and divide it up amongst themselves. They basically didn't really care about what was happening. This is what they routinely would do. And the most valuable piece of clothing was this seamless garment that Jesus was wearing, so they decided to throw dice to see who would get that part. They didn't want to rip it up. But it fulfilled prophecy. Verse 25. Standing near the cross where Jesus' mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Now John, for whatever reason, only gives account of these three. They were probably right up front there. There were Roman soldiers there. There were obviously people observing besides the three Marys. But John gives an account of these three. And then it continues because we want you to see when we think about John, we should think about him as our love apostle, our love disciple. He was all about love. He was all about representations of love and re recording those things. And of course, this act on the cross, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And love is going to be the theme here. Verse 26 when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. Rather than using the word mother, he just said woman. 
because I think there were a couple things going on here because there were people who could hear what was being said. He didn't want to call out Mary, his mother, as a mother because that might cause even greater hardship for her. If you understand that. It would cause greater hardship. So he identified her as woman. He did the same thing, by the way, during the the ceremony of the when he changed the water to wine at the wedding, his first public miracle. Mother, I had to be about my father's business. Or woman, excuse me, I had to be about my father's business. I just said the exact opposite thing, sir. And it was going to be a very, very hard world for Mary, his mother. Verse 27, and he said to this disciple, here is your mother. Now, John always referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He always wrote in the third person about himself. He never really referred to himself in the passage, but by all accounts in Scripture, it's John that he's talking to. And John had a very close relationship with Jesus and the same in the other direction. And he said to the disciple, here is your mother. That was the assurance that Jesus was giving that John was going to take care of Mary, Jesus' mother. Take her into his own home. Care for her. Look after her. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. That is love. Making sure that Mary is being taken care of. Jesus was concerned about his family even when he was on the cross dying. And Thanksgiving is a time of celebration with family, isn't it? If you have a family to celebrate with, and even if you don't, you're recognizing that you're still in God's family and God loves you. That's a good reason to be thankful too. If we have family, we should cherish our family. No matter how weird they get sometimes or how dysfunctional they can be, maybe, just maybe, we can get together with our family members during Thanksgiving time and spend some time with them. And hey, you be the testimony before them. Amen? You be the testimony before your family. You reflect the love of Christ in everything you do. Don't get caught up in any weird arguments. If you are a living testimony for Jesus at this time of year, it does make a difference. It does make an impact. We have to be the lights in the world. The light reflecting that of Jesus Christ. And family should see it. Our families should see it. So keep that in mind as we go here. Jesus entrusted John, who was there with him at the cross, to care for his mother. Verse 28. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill Scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. This wine, this sour wine, was a cheap wine. I don't want to make parallels of cheap wine versus very good wine. There's a difference between cheap wine and good wine. Amen? We know the stuff that you buy, the old days of Ripple or whatever it was that they call it cheap wine, that's, that's cheap wine. I'm not even going to ask for an amen for that. And there's wine that, you know, is obviously fine wine. And the Roman soldiers, part of the thing that they did too, you know, in addition to getting the clothing is that they sat by and made sure that these people who were on the cross died. They were witnesses too. They had to make sure of it. And they just sat around and drank wine, cheap wine, while waiting for those on the cross die to die. So that's where that wine came from. Soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, held up to his lips. Verse 30, when Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. 
He did what he had set out to do. Of course, there was more to be done after this because we recognize that Jesus had spoken to the disciples. They didn't understand hardly a word he was saying at the time when he was saying it, but he was saying he's going to have to be go to the cross and then come back three days later. What? What? What does that mean? The disciples at the time had no idea what that meant, but we know what it means. And it is finished is a reason to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you did for us on the cross. Well worth the time. Up until this, there was a complicated series of sacrifices that people had to make, the priests had to make, at the tabernacle. to atone for our sin. And of course, you know, the Day of Atonement was atoning for our sin for the entire year, but we sin every day. We sin every day. So, what does sin do for us? Separates us from God. can't have fellowship with God if you're in sin of any kind. I don't care what it is. doesn't matter. So now we don't have to worry about these animal sacrifices, these grain sacrifices, these sacrifices that take place for all these different kinds of sins and all the things that were written into the law. We don't have to worry about that anymore. We don't need to be... That's a good reason to be thankful by itself. A lot of animals out there probably going... Whew. Don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> of course, I jest. Not making cartoons out of the animals, but but we need to understand that how are we going to come clean before God without what Jesus did for us on the cross? How are we going to make a stand before Him? How are we going to, how can we approach Him at all without what Jesus did for us? Those who are unbelievers, who don't believe in Jesus, pray for those people that you know. Pray for them. One thing that I was reminded of again today, the rapture can happen anytime. And once the rapture happens, there are going to be a lot of folks out there with a lot of regret because they didn't commit to Jesus before He took His people away with Him and the Holy Spirit with them. Pray for them. Now most of us in this room are going to leave here before the rapture. So once you leave here, you can't make any decision for Jesus. Be thankful for what Jesus has done for you on the cross, for those of you who acknowledge it. If you have questions about it, now's the time to ask. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, pray for people in your life that don't know Jesus. We don't have a lot of time. When we hear the word imminent, imminent means any time. as soon as today. Satan was defeated on the cross. Satan would find that out three days later for sure. We need to live as people who believe in what Jesus has done for us and not allow ourselves to be put to the side or pushed aside by what the world wants to do. We're living in a world that does more and more about what they want to do. We're living more and more in a world that is a lot like Noah's time. The time of Noah. We're living in a world more and more like the time 
where we look at the judges. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. That's our world today. Jesus is coming soon. You better believe that. Pray for people in your life who don't know the Lord. Give them the example of what Jesus did lovingly for us on the cross. And thank Him for it. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this time that You've given us to hear Your Word, hear Your truth. Lord, we know that everything that You have planned from the time when we read the first words in Genesis all the way through to Revelation, that everything that took place is because it was your will, your desire to save your people, save your creation. And even the angels marvel at what you've done for us. We pray, Lord, for those individuals in our lives right now that do not know you personally. We pray, Lord, that you speak to them. We pray, Lord, that the Spirit entreats them, intrigues them, gives them what is necessary to make a decision to acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, for this mission, for fulfilling your will and for giving us a purpose as we live for you. Thank you, Lord, for this account of what you did for us lovingly. Help us to live for you more and more each day. Be in your word more and more each day. Trust in you more and more every day. We thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for joining me for this live stream Sunday School edition. We appreciate you being here today. Stay tuned online for those of you who are on Facebook to our live church service at approximately 11 o'clock. We appreciate you being here. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time.